0: hello. I am Matt Williamson. Thanks again for all the positive feedback on my article this week. And to partner today, second half, I'm going to talk a little Bengals, how their team is constructed. But first, Bill Barnwell from ESPN.com does good work. He has a heavy analytics background. He started Football Outsiders. He highlighted seven teams today that didn't make the playoffs that wouldn't be far-fetched at all. To, I may mean, not say that right. You know I mean? They have a pretty clear path to getting there next year. And the only thing, and I think he ranked them one to seven, and he had the Rams the most likely. He had the Steelers second. So, of course, I read the article, and I pulled out a bunch of highlights from there to just kind of paint the picture in kind of a bullet point fashion. Let's go through those real quick. So, the the Kenny Pickett-led attack, I'm just reading his words here, ranked 15th in total QBR and 18th in pass block win rate. Like, when the season started, I was kind of terrified that the offensive line wouldn't allow us to know if Pickett is a good player, or a good prospect, if Najee's a good back, is Pickens and the, pa- and the receiver's good enough. Could the offensive line totally derail... Not only the offense, but our ability to evaluate the offense clearly that didn't happen. You know, I mean, so that's just further proof. Eighteenth in pass block win rate. Um, Tomlin's team was fourteenth in DVOA, and frankly, as I mentioned, right now they're sitting tenth, um, right in line with its record. And that's an interesting point of this too: is sometimes teams don't play to their record. You know, I mean, I know the Parcells, you are what you are. Yeah, if you play 162 games or 82 games or whatever the other sports do, but a lot of 10-win teams only win six games. A lot of six-win teams win 10. You know, the Vikings are a perfect example. Um, The worst element of Pittsburgh's performance last year was on special teams, where it ranked 27th in DVOA. But that's less sticky than on offense or defense, so we would expect the Steelers to improve there in 2023. I've told you guys that before, so... Basically, over the last 10 years, I've looked at Steeler special team DVOA, and this one was really low. Um, Obviously, it was a problem. I'm not going to hide that. But as a rule of thumb, they're usually 12 to 16. But you're going to have a a real spike year. You're going to have a real down year. Again, I like the term sticky that he used. Special teams performance year to year is rarely sticky. And football outsiders will tell you, unless you're the Ravens or Patriots, they're always at the top of the league. However, the Patriots were 32nd this year in special teams. So, here's some other things that aren't as encouraging. There are still some elements of Pittsburgh's performance, though, suggesting it was a little fortuitous. The Steelers intercepted a league-high 20 passes, and while any secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick is capable of doing that in a given season, remember that they picked off 13 a year ago. 13's still a big number, though, Bill. Um, they recovered only three fumbles on defense, which was the fewest of any team. But they also only lost five fumbles on offense, which was the second fewest on that side of the ball. The fumble numbers, as I've been telling you forever, are going to go up both sides. They're not going to recover three fumbles over the course of 17 games in 2023. It's a 0% chance, 0.11% chance. That number is probably going to get to eight or something along those lines. They probably will also lose more than five. Will they pick off 20 passes? Probably not. But I think when we talk about stickiness, I would much rather have a defense intercepting passes to get up their turnover rate than fumbles because fumbles are a lot more random. Interceptions are created more. And so I think that's actually an encouraging stat, to be honest with you. He kind of framed it the other way. And I mentioned that, you know, some teams that are, Truly a six-win type of team, win 10, 9, whatever. The Steelers outperformed their point differential by 1.7 wins. That's what he he should go into this a little deeper. He didn't. Their point differential makes them look terrible, but losing by 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever it was to Buffalo and in Philly still only counts as one loss. You know, those two losses really mess up their point differential. So here's some things I've been telling you as well. So if you split pick and picket season into two halves, you can really see the growth. The first round pick posted a 43.2 QBR during his first seven games, a stretch in which he threw eight picks and averaged over just over six yards per attempt. We've talked about those eight picks, that was a little bit of a blown up number, but the QBR of forty three point two and averaging just over six yards, yards per attempt, was was brutal. In his final six games, while his completion percentage were still be- completion percentage and yards per attempt were still below average, he turned the ball over just once, and his QBR during that stretch was sixty two point five as opposed to forty three point two, which is good. The Steelers also went five and one in those those six games. And the one loss came in a game in which Pickett exited after one pass attempt, as you know. However, four of those five wins also came against quarterbacks that were either backups, Tyler Huntley, or were about to be benched. I didn't think about the about to be benched thing. Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, none of whom finished there as the starting quarterback. Carr's also a little goofy. He got benched because they didn't want him to get hurt, which would guarantee his contract. He was the Raiders' best quarterback, though. But obviously, there's a shell here of a winning formula present if Pickett can continue to protect the football. Um, also, they're talking a little bit about the offseason. Right now, I don't know how to get into this, but don't look too much into cap numbers right now. A lot of it's how many guys you have rostered. Like if you look at the league, Everyone, it looks like, boy, where'd all the Steeler cap space go? It, it's a little bit of a misnomer. This time of year is strange, no matter what source you go to for cap information. But the way Bill spells it out is also, I thought, noteworthy. Where Pittsburgh's th- right now is $3 million over the projected cap mark, which isn't thrilling for a team with a quarterback on a rookie deal. But here's what the key is. It can clear more than $24 million by releasing William Jackson, a Keller Weatherspoon and Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if Trubisky going to get let go because then you got to go get a backup quarterback who's going to be just as expensive, probably. But the fact is, and and I'll will tell you this more next week. They have about as much flexibility with their cap to create more cap space than any team in the league. So that's really encouraging, and their their contracts are set up pretty well overall. All right, I'll be back in a minute. I want to talk a little bit of Bengals as they prepare for the AFC Championship. All right. Bengals are going to Kansas City. They're obviously a division foe. They are a team to fear for a long time. But I hadn't put two and two together on this until recently. They are kind of taking a Steelers approach, or probably the Steelers are taking a Bengals approach, or, you know, I'm not sure they're either stealing from one another. But their offense is mostly homegrown Grow up together, guys. Well, why is that important? Well, that's exactly what the Steelers are doing. I mean, like I told you the other day, the Steelers offense is losing nothing. You know, all their production comes back more than any team in the league. I think that was yesterday's podcast or the one before. Like breaks the charts so much more than other teams. So the Bengals, they not only, I mean, they're, they're key guys. Jamar Chase, his first round pick. Tee Higgins was a two. Tyler Boyd was a two, Jonah Williams was a one, um, Joe Burrow was a one, and Mixon was a two. And then they also drafted some guys like Samaji P. Ryan, the, Carmen Jackson, guys like that that are role players, or Jackson's now the starting left tackle because of injury, also quite high in the draft. Homegrown talent on offense. And if it, also Cordell Volson, who's their starting left guard, he was a fourth-round pick, rookie. They, they went out and supplemented that a little this year because their O-line was so bad. They went out and got Alex Kappa and Ted Karras and Leo Collins. But for the most part, their plan was build on offense through the draft, through youth, through a, a bunch of guys the same age, let them grow up together. They went to the Super Bowl last year, they might go to the Super Bowl this year. And it's a, it's a really good formula and things can progress really quickly. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying or predicting Pickett's going to turn into Burrow and Pickens is going to turn into Chase. But the team-building strategy makes a lot of sense. You want that continuity on offense to grow up together. But on the other hand, if you look at their eh, 14 or 15, you know, maybe 12 to 14 guys that play a lot on defense, there are some homegrown guys in this past year I think they realized, hey, we're going to get old on defense before we get old on offense. So they drafted Dax Hill in the first round, Cam Taylor-Britt in the second. And part of that's because some of their guys are coming up as free agents. They're not going to be able to retain. But the defense is built partially from within, but a lot from without. I mean, when I was a scout for the Browns, the Bengals were the cheapest organization in the league. They had one scout. They're notorious for not spending. But they have a lot of crafty free agent moves, some to keep their own, but mostly from without with outside the organization, which leads me to things we're going to talk about next week. I'm sitting here looking at the spreadsheet, the official one from the league that has every free agent to be on it. And I'm going to go through them all and I'm going to highlight all the guys I think the Steelers should kick the tires on. So the Bengals have built a really good defense from without, you know, from going out and getting... Not humongous contracts from outside the organization, but four or five starters on friendly deals, but starter deals, not cheap cheap in the way out. And I think the Steelers can do the same. And that might mean keeping Edmonds, keeping you know Sutton, guys like that, or looking around and getting some bargains. And here's here's how they're built at the moment. And here's here's where I'm going with this: is there are two defensive ends, Sam Hubbard. They drafted in the third round back in 2018, but they spent decent money on Trey Hendrickson, who's been a massive success. I mean, the pro scouting department for Cincy deserves a lot of credit for getting them where they're at. So, really, three fourths of their off of their defensive line, and they're pretty strict with their 4 3 looks, is from outside the organization. Hendrickson at one end, BJ Hill, who they got from the Giants, and DJ Reeder, who I think is their best defensive player. Nose tackle, penetrator, exactly what the Steelers need. They got from Houston. He's really the key, to, you know, the, the the straw that serves the drink. Um, so that front four, which is probably the strength of this defense, and I think the defense is really good. Um, it's kind of a no-name defense. Probably a lot of you guys don't know a lot of these names. But the front four is probably the strength of it. The second level, they tried for years and years drafting guys and have had been really bad. And they finally developed Logan Wilson, third-round pick, and Jermaine Pratt, who was also a third-round pick. Pratt's a name that's on this spreadsheet next to me that is coming up to for, for free agency. He'd be a really good stealer. But both those guys took a little time. As I, tell, as I often tell you, drafted linebackers don't usually come in and light the world on fire. They take some work. Um, they also did draft Jesse Bates, free safety, but he's a free agent, likely to leave. But they also got uh Von Bell hit the the strong safety he's kind of their Terrell Edmonds type they got him from the Saints they got Eli Apple who was a first round pick from the Giants he's a starter Mike Hilton as you know probably are a little sad about from the Steelers and the last name is Owusie, who is their best corner they could really use him right now but they got him from Dallas so it Just looking at what this team is, I mean, it wasn't long ago they were picking first in the draft, grabbing Burrow, or third in the draft and getting chase. Steelers never fell that low. But with some shrewd roster moves and shrewd drafting, and I think the Steelers have a lot of that in place, especially on offense, um, in a similar manner, you can see how you can turn things around pretty quick. It's nice to have Joe Burrow, who I think is the second-best quarterback on the planet, of course. you know, But just showing you how these teams are constructed... And there's a real similarity right now between the Bengals and Steelers that way. So, uh, over and out. We will talk next week. See you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.